from RF Smart. This is Taking Inventory, a podcast all about better controlling your supply chain and improving inventory management. And now, your host, Sarah Archer. Welcome back to the RF Smart Podcast. My name is Sarah Archer, and I am your host. And I'm joined today by Tony and Robert from Maverick Beverage. And today we're going to be talking about what goes into launching a new distribution center. So we're just going to jump right in. Tony, will you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your role at Maverick. Well, first off, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. And my role within the company is the Vice President of Operations. I work with all operations strategy, vision, the initiatives, and all technology implementations. And then the final thing I do is all inventory management. Thanks so much for being here, Tony. And Robert, what about you? Yeah, hi, my name is Robert Camacho. Appreciate you having us on. I'm the executive vice president for Maverick in Florida, and I am responsible for all aspects of the business from operations, sales, portfolio management, and all things in between. And we're excited to have you guys in our Jacksonville office. Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about Maverick? What do you guys do? What do you distribute? And a little bit about your locations. Yeah, so Maverick Beverage is a wine and spirits wholesaler. We are kind of that second tier in the three-tier system of alcohol distribution. So we buy from suppliers. We then sell it to restaurateurs and retailers who then sell it to end consumers. Maverick Beverage is in six states. So obviously Florida, where we are with you, Texas. Colorado, Arizona, Minnesota, and Illinois. In each of those states, you have distribution centers. And so all of those came with special planning. I know that the Florida facility opened just a couple of months ago. And Tony, you've got some plans to open some new facilities this year too. So that's what we're going to be talking about. A lot of our customers are facing the same challenge of extending their footprint, extending their reach, opening new distribution centers. And so what are the things that go into that? Tony, I'm curious to hear from you. What's the first thing that you do when you prepare to open a new distribution center? Well, among many things, we look at the logistical network and where we want to be, where our customers are today, where we plan on growing, and even more importantly, is the demographic changes that we might see. We pull that information from the Census Bureau, and we do a lot of consulting around where that location should be for all things cost considerations. We deliver final mile to all of our customers, and then we also bring in products from all around the world. So location, location, location. When you're looking ahead and you're forecasting where these new distribution centers are going to be, what does the timeline for that planning process look like? Well, in our hyper growth company, we are always in planning mode. And in my mind, I'm always nine to 12 months out. And in today's environment with supply chain issues continuing to hit us in all areas, we're probably nine to 12 months out by the time that we start negotiating leases, reviewing options and then building a warehouse out from scratch. And when I say from scratch, we take a building shell and then we design every aspect around it from the office to the layout of the facility, security, and et cetera. I know we'll talk really specifically about that Orlando distribution center opening and what went into that. But when you are thinking about these facilities, you mentioned you kind of have the shell of the building. How do you determine what the scope of that's going to be and what steps go into mapping out the distribution center? Well, that's a big task. And I have to use our partners such as Robert and the rest of our sales team to understand where we're headed. And that generally has to do with our sales, inventory turns, how much product am I going to have to store in a facility? 
we take a look at what an eight-year projected sales plan would be, and then we plan around inventory turns, the type of product mix that we're going to have, our customer mix. If we're going to be delivering to larger retail outlets, I'm going to have to have more storage, faster turns. But then we also take a look at the building envelope, the layout of the building itself. Building columns could really dent how much storage you can put into a space. And then by doing all of the mathematics and putting them together, we come up with the right efficiencies in the right place. And what the final straw is to come up with a warehouse cubic storage capacity. And does that meet the need of our eight-year plan? And we generally will go out and look for building space around that eight-year plan and the cubic warehousing space we need. So what about technology in those facilities? In each of these facilities, you're bringing RF Smart Live there. Can you talk about what it's like? I mean, you've taken RF Smart Live in one location and now to take it out to these other locations and to implement it. Right. We started with RF Smart in November of 2020. And we have taken it to all eight locations and two DC moves with many more to come this year. You know, RF Smart, once you understand how the system works, once you understand your inventory needs and how it utilizes, you can take this as a consumer or as an end user and run with it from there. We were able to get better at each implementation, understanding how we want to lay out the bins and lay out the product. We've learned some things about how to artificially zone lanes and aisles based off of bin numbering systems. And this is what we've utilized in all of our processes. Let's dig into that bin topic because that's very interesting. Tell me a little bit about how you guys have used that bin sequencing in order to make your warehouse more efficient. Well, first off, we use the bin sequencing, which came out a couple of years ago in every regard. And so I can reverse the flow of a warehouse if I need to. I can reverse the process if I want to. I can then change any sequencing whatsoever based upon the sequence inside the bin that RF Smart provides instead of having to renumber the entire bin system, which would have been a total pain if we had to use it. We use bin numbering systems by which we can identify a high zone and a low zone, which allows us to know which bins need to be picked from an order picker and which bins can be picked off of the ground. You guys opened this facility just a couple of months ago, and you mentioned that this was a facility that took all of your learnings from these other launches at new distribution centers, and you really designed this space to be completely optimized. What does that look like? Well, it's important to understand that size and scale helps us do this. And what we decided to do was a hub and spoke model. So we have one central DC for the entire state of Florida, cross docking to other cities such as Miami. So size and scale allowed us to implement things like order merging with a put wall. It allows us to design the facility in a way that would give us access to the most optimal storage space for overflow storage, if you will. We put together a pick module that represents last week was 70% of all units shipped out of the facility came out of one aisle in the facility. It really maximizes our efficiencies and allows our team members to leave a little bit earlier each night. That's awesome. And Robert, from your perspective, you have been a part of a couple of the different distribution centers. And so what's the difference between the distribution centers before and now that you have taken all of these lessons and these learnings, the Orlando facility? So the, the biggest difference and, and the most impactful difference is efficiency. We're able to do a lot more 
with fewer people, which is really the idea. So with each move and with each additional implementation, Bacalan, if you will, from RF Smart, we just get better at what we do, which all allows us to work at a much greater efficiency, again, which is the ultimate end game of what we're trying to do from an operation side of it. And Tony, you mentioned before a little bit about the physical security of the space and how you guys have kind of built this around the physical security. Talk to me about that. What does that mean? Why is security so important to you guys in your business? Well, we are in a business where you either love alcohol or you know somebody that does. (laughs) And in that case, you know, we are trying to look at inventory shrinkage control. I know what happens in all warehouses. We're not unique about that. But what we were able to do is design where the office was going to be laid out. We were able to design where the restrooms and where the single entry points in and out of the facility close to where the work is performed by our managers. So we were able to put in a lot of visual cues, locker systems that would allow our employees to come in and out of the building with free flow, but also in a way that there's not 10 different exits out of that building. These are the things you don't necessarily think about when you are designing a facility. Robert, from your perspective, was there anything that happened when you guys were planning the Orlando facility or when you guys were working towards the launch that didn't go as planned? I think that it's so important to learn from the things that we maybe missed or things that didn't go right. Anything that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think we messed up on some training opportunities. I think for our move specifically, we oftentimes have non-warehouse or non-operations people assisting us with those transitions and taking the time to train somebody on utilizing a scan gun. It seems like an odd thing, but I would just say, take the time to train, ensure that everybody that you are utilizing to assist with that move is understanding what their role is and what the functionality is of what they're doing. And what we were talking about is the physical inventory. We moved almost 50,000 cases of wine and spirits in three days. And then we were pressed for the physical inventory at the end. And we started off with the inventory training and it didn't go as well as we thought. We had to stop everything and start all over again. I mean, that's one of the most important things, right, is making sure that physical inventory is right from the beginning. Some of the things I've heard from you guys today are you've really taken the time to map out what your facilities are going to look like. There's a lot of advanced planning that goes into that, a lot of market research, making sure that people are trained correctly. I'm wondering what some other best practices, tips, or learnings from this experience you might have to share. Well, for me, what starts right stays right is the mantra. In our former DCs, we were so tight for space. We were climbing over pallets in the middle of aisles. You couldn't move product in and out. And what that did was stop the team from keeping the inventory, the UPC management, the associations to the items correctly. And so had we had that ability or had that time to keep the UPC associations correctly, then the physical inventory would have been a lot easier and a lot quicker. Just always stay on top of everything in terms of the UPC associations. So let me ask you guys this. You mentioned, Tony, you've got a couple other facilities coming up this year that you're looking at doing this. What's something you're going to do different? Part of the challenges that we had in moving these two facilities into one in Florida was that we were in a very deep time crunch. Our leases were running out and the building wasn't ready until about three weeks before we moved. We didn't have the ability to pre-map and pre-plan the move because we had to do it all in three days. We would probably do a lot of transfer orders and transfer product in and out of the facilities and put it into a bin versus 
having to go from scratch, set everything into a setup bin and re-implement WMS from scratch. You were telling me about this before was because of the supply chain slowdowns, you guys couldn't even turn the lights on in the building. Literally the control panel for the entire facility was a seven month lead time for us. So it sounds like start early, as early as you can to get all of those things set up, right? So that you can have that additional time to get people trained up and doing inventory. Robert, what advice would you give to somebody who is getting ready to undertake a new distribution center? It's going to take twice as much time as you think it's going to take. Plan for the time. It's even under best situations, best scenarios, delays still happen, problems still arise. If you think it's going to take two months, plan and give yourself four months. If you think you're going to do it in two weeks, give yourself four weeks. Plan on double the amount of time that you think, and that way you'll be safe and you'll be up and operational and and running a really smooth business. So when you guys are designing a warehouse, I think this is one of the things that people often overlook is, of course, you've got the normal racking space, but then you have all of this vertical space as well. How are you guys utilizing that vertical space? Well, first off, we max it out. There is not a cubic foot of the building that we don't intend to use intentionally. And it's very important to understand the space limitations of your building. What is the pitch of the roof, for example, and where are you going to put this product versus that product? But one thing that is also key is to get into a relationship with your material handling provider. The rack and the equipment go hand in hand. And designing a warehouse, whether it be a very narrow aisle warehouse with six foot wide aisles versus a 12 foot wide aisle are very important considerations. And if you don't match the equipment with the design of the warehouse, then you're going to have a less than efficient space and you're wasting cubic footage dollars. So in terms of scalability, because you guys are a rapidly growing business, you're opening new locations, but certainly you've got this Orlando facility and that's the only one for the state of Florida. Was the facility built and designed with the idea that our business continues to grow? We need to be able to scale. Absolutely. That's where Robert's eight-year plan came into shape and understanding. We didn't build out and rack out this space entirely from day one. We designed it in such a way that we will add additional racking as we go, and that will facilitate and necessitate a different material handling equipment that will go in there. So as we build out and rack out that space, we don't move racking anywhere in the building. We just add racking directly into the space it was designed for the future. So we built out the entire facility layout in terms of the racking and space needs, but then we took some of it away so that we can add it later. Robert, I kind of want to hear about this eight-year plan. What was that like to plan that and to come up with forecasting what the business is going to look like? Have you ever seen Mickey Mouse with his sorcerer ball? (laughs) Daunting. Daunting is is the best word I can think of to describe what, what it was like. It's taking historical sales data, taking a bit of magical knowledge if you can find it, and a lot of belief in what the market can do and what your team is going to do to drive that business forward and to grow it. And it's just doing your best to understand what the direction is of the business, how you're going to get there. And in this particular instance, what type of volume will need to be doing to reach that endpoint? A lot of the people in the NetSuite space, especially people who partner with are smart, they might be thinking, I need an eight-year plan, a 10-year plan. What advice would you give to them as they're looking towards planning for the future? I think the present situation can be a fantastic predictor of where your business is going to grow. It's also important to understand how much energy and how much detail you want to put into your growth. 
And from there, just start to plan around it. I think when we started in Florida in 2017 is when we had our first distribution center open up. We had an idea as to what we were going to do in 2017, but we also had a sense as to what we wanted to grow into. So knowing what you want your future to be is definitely going to help. Some people want to stay small and that's fine. Other people want to grow and continue to grow. I will say quickly though, one of the things that's helped our growth is just really been the RF Smart. When we implemented RF Smart, that has allowed us to continue to more seamlessly grow and add additional space, redo our racking multiple times at this point in terms of making it more functional for our growth and for what we're doing. I would also say it's challenging to put an eight-year plan out. You might feel you're 50% accurate in year one or two, and then it becomes substantially less accurate later on down the road. But unless you put a plan together to say, here's where we think we're headed, it's hard to put a facility together. And it's easy to move out of a small warehouse. But as you get bigger and bigger, those big warehouse moves become very daunting. So it makes sense to put a plan together for space utilization, maximizing the cubic space of a warehouse. And that all starts with the leader of the business telling me, here's how much I'm going to sell. And then more importantly, with warehouse planning, it is how fast can we turn that inventory? If you tell me you're going to do X hundred millions of dollars and you tell me that your inventory turns are once a year, it's going to need a much bigger warehouse than if you tell me you can turn it six times a year. And Tony, you know, there's always going to be these little things that come up all the time, no matter if you've got the best designed and functioning warehouse in the world, there's always going to be little things. And I know that you are a big user and proponent of the RF Smart knowledge base. Can you speak a little bit to that and how that's helped you? Well, I do go into the knowledge base quite a bit. Our team will go and research and find different things that we need to maximize the system. You know, when you go on any system, knowing everything at one time is very difficult. So we're constantly digging in. We're looking at new ways to do things. It's a great knowledge base and there gives a lot of step-by-step instructions. We really do appreciate it and like it a lot. And one of the things I'm thinking about too, because as you guys have been in our Jacksonville office, it feels like we can't walk around the corner without you, Tony, running into somebody at our smart that you've worked with. It's so important that you find partners in your business, right? People who can really come around you and support you through these kinds of transitions. I really feel like you found that with RF Smart. I have. This is a partnership with a company that I deeply trust. And it all starts with does it work? And so one of the big things that I talk about with RS Mert is that it just works and it works well. And knowing the people and understanding how they can help provide a solution to us and capitalizing and leveraging that relationship is very important to me. And RS Smart is one of my best partners that I've ever had. Well, that's very kind of you. And we absolutely love partnering with you guys. Been super thrilled to just be able to spend some time with you this week and get to know you better and learn more about your business and continue to be a part of it as it grows. Thank you guys so much for being here today with us. Certainly, if you're interested in learning more about Maverick Beverage, we'll leave their website linked, as well as some of the other resources we've talked about in today's podcast. And before you go, make sure you subscribe. You can subscribe anywhere that you listen to podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify, or at our website at rsmart.com slash podcast. Thanks again, Tony and Robert, and we will see you guys again soon. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.